Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for downloading this episode of Nick Has a Conversation With. Uh, today I'm going to be talking with Josh Carroll. He's a student at Columbia College and a massive NBA fan. And here on the show, we talk a lot of politics, we talk a lot of movies, but we don't really get a chance to talk sports. And if you didn't get the opportunity on Sunday night to watch Game 7 of the NBA Finals, the rare sporting event that lived up to its hype, well, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to have a little bit of fun. And uh, Josh is going to come on in a second here. We're going to talk NBA Finals, uh, look at a little bit ahead. We also, as we're recording this, can get into the fact that the Chicago Bulls have traded the beloved city son of Derrick Rose to the hated New York Knicks. So right now I'd like to introduce to you, this is Josh Carroll, student at Columbia College and just massive NBA fan. Josh, how you doing, brother? Good. Thank you for having me. This means a lot to me. Oh, no problem, man. I hope that you uh, have some fun, but also get to share with people the awesomeness that was Game 7. Um, I, here's my first thing for you. This NBA Finals, as, as it was going on, you know, the first four games were blowouts. People weren't really into the Finals, and... Then you had just this massive turnaround. You had the suspension of Draymond Green, which I'm sure you're going to get into. But Game 7 of an NBA Final did the amazing act, as I said in the intro, of living up to its hype. And I have watched a lot of sports in my life. I'm a big fan, but I've never seen anything quite as punch-counterpunch as that game seven it was a one-point game pretty much the entire time you had the two best players in the league bringing everything that they had though people would argue that Steph Curry didn't really perform as well as he could have what was your overall opinion of game seven I felt like overall it was pretty great the one thing that surprised me though um actually made that two things um one Draymond Green of all people was carrying the Warriors in the first half with his perfect um yeah yeah he was perfect from the three-point line with 21 points five rebounds six assists and then the shot that we we've all come to respect from Steph Curry came back to haunt him late in the fourth quarter and and that right there is what killed him you're talking about the fact that he was missing all those three-pointers exactly yeah, it, that's the uh, the old, you know, there's the old live by the sword, die by the sword. And I've heard it said in the NBA, live by the three, die by the three. Because once you start missing it, it's it's weird. It's almost uh, an exponential growth of misses. Because whatever reason, you try to compensate for your last miss and you're overshooting, you're undershooting. And the amazing thing to me, though, about that game seven was you had – the man who many people would argue is the most talented basketball player of all time. I'm not saying the best because I still reserve that for one man, but he showed up and was counted. And it was the first time in a big game that LeBron James did what you expect the superstar of the league to do, which is dominate. And with Steph Curry in the fourth quarter not hitting shots that he had made all season, you, you could just see that with just a little bit of a, a gap – the, I guess you would call it killer instinct that you haven't really seen from LeBron finally kind of popped to the forefront, and it was a thing to see, man. Yeah, it was amazing to see him get, get a triple-double of sorts. He had 12 oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 11 rebounds, 11 assists. I mean, it was an amazing performance by him. Yeah, I forgot to mention the fact that he got a triple-double in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. 
And uh, I got a kick out of the fact that my favorite meme that came after that was Michael Jordan sitting on the court and it was somebody saying, uh, oh, LeBron James got a triple-double uh, triple in Game 7. That's funny. I never got to Game 7. I, I, yeah, I was laughing at that. The We can't help it. We're Chicago people. We, we compare everything to Jordan, which is why Derrick Rose was never going to last here. The funny thing to me, though, about Game 7, and you mentioned Draymond Green, he was the star of that game for, what would you say, three quarters? Yeah, three quarters. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, LeBron James just decided, nope, I'm winning this for Cleveland, and he did it. The Going into everything else, though, that had to do with that series, were you disappointed in the first six games with all of them being relatively, uh, basically being blowouts? Was that disappointing to you? Slightly. It. It's honestly something that I didn't even see coming. I expected the whole series to be like back and forth the way that Game 7 was. So, yeah, when you look at it that way, I was kind of disappointed. But overall, it was a great series. Why do you say that? Um, th- th- Think about it. Two of, the, two of the best players in the league r- r- right now fighting for glory. Steph Curry fighting for his second championship. And LeBron, of course, fighting against how to title in Cleveland finally and one just, one just happens to outfest in the other and, and probably the most key moment ever. When you're watching a game like that or a series like this, do you how it's, do you take notes or are you just trying to absorb it in the moment? For me, I'd say both. Because okay. I'm, I'm trying to be in the know like, like every, every single day. Like as far as sports is concerned, and like I was actually live streaming ha- halftime with um my uncle was game seven went along and I like took notes like like Draymond Green did this, Steph Curry's doing this, LeBron has like this X amount of points. Um. Well, the to me, if you're watching, uh, especially a really good NBA game. Uh, I always actually, it's funny, people always compare the NBA to hockey because they're both the winter sports. But the truth is, I've always felt that NBA basketball, when played at the proper level, uh, by which I mean like a level of excellence when you have two really good teams playing, has a lot more in common with either boxing or tennis because it's it's a punch, counterpunch, or a serve and a return serve mentality where – and in that game seven in particular, man, you saw it constantly. Like one team would drive down the court, make a make a great move to the hoop, drive the lane hard, and then you'd come back the other way on a fast break for Golden State. They'd come up and either jam it or put in a pretty little layup. Then you go back the other way. Cleveland sinks a three. Come back the other way. Golden State sinks a three. And you're just going back and forth. There were what? I think at, by the end of the game, 22 lead changes, they said. By the end of that thing, I mean, it was it, – it, Game seven of the NBA Finals this time was perfection in sport. You don't see it very often. You don't see Ali Frazier three. You don't see a fight or a, a, a sporting event where both teams bring everything that they've got, leave everything they have on the court, and at the end of the game can honestly just not be upset or even gloat too much. It's not like Cleveland can walk off the court going, yeah, Golden State's a terrible team and we we, we smoked them because that's not what happened. So you get this amazing idea that they they played last year, Golden State wins. They play this year, Cleveland wins. And I swear to God, I don't if the Bulls aren't going to be in the NBA Finals, which based on the trade they're not going to be, 
I'm looking forward to a, th- a third year. This is the wrestling fan in me who wants, uh, you know, a, a third rematch, a dream match, you know, the rubber match between the two teams and really see what happens when you go another, uh, you know, seven-game series with the two best teams of the last 20 years. And it, it, I think it would be a really exciting thing to watch. And I don't – in my experience, that doesn't happen often where a, t- where a sporting event truly – is what you wanted it to be. Yeah, the, it, Game 7 was probably, like, one of the best closers, like, to, to a final series I've ever seen with my own eyes, like, as, as long as I've lived. Like. Uh, you're a Chicago guy. Where, where do you put it, even though it's not your team, taking away your fandom from it, uh, Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Kings uh, for the Hawks were was one of these games, but it's not the championship, so it automatically loses points. But that was also, the, you know, the game seven that lives up to the hype because that game went into overtime. You had all the, you know, everything crazy with it. But this, even in a situation like that, hockey is different. I think part of the reason, Josh, that I love the NBA, and you can hear it said on sports radio, in newspapers, everywhere, what makes the NBA better than almost any other sport is the fact that your best player can have the ball every play. That doesn't happen in every sport. In hockey, you know, you've got 30-second line shifts. In football, quarterback throws to a receiver. That's it. That's the end of the of the ball movement. You know, in baseball, you know, guy bats only one out of nine times, and your pitcher only pitches once every five days. But in the NBA, especially in the playoffs, your best player has the ball 90% of the time, which allows for a more competitive game it allows for a chance it, it makes for better television too that's 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 for damn sure uh i want to ask you one last question about these nba finals with steph curry and the golden state warriors going through what they went through do you see them making do you think they need to make a lot of changes to their team they went 73 and 9 but do you think that to maintain their level of success they need to do any drastic changes to their team i Honestly, don't think so. Like, it's obvious that they have great team chemistry. And despite the rumors that they're going to go after KD and Dirk, I mean, why not stick with it? If you got if you got a good thing going out the gate, then keep going with it. Or well, you to, can get, I mean, or to put this better, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If if you can get Kevin Durant, though, you should get Kevin Durant. I, 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 I mean, I would do that if I was Golden If Golden State with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, you're basically taking Russell Westbrook and improving on him. It'd be like leveling up your point guard in an RPG. Like, it's, it's, it would be a definite improvement. But beyond that, the Dirk thing, I think, is, is one of those deals. That's, that's almost like a baseball move. You're basically paying for past performance. Dirk isn't what he used to be, and he damn sure isn't going to be that in the next couple years. So I think the Dirk move is a bad idea unless you can bring him in for a, like a league minimum contract with a lot of incentives, which with a star of his level, that's not going to happen. So it, it becomes a question then of do you bring in a big man? I also heard the other one that I had heard was Dwight Howard as a possibility of somehow getting over to Golden State, which, again, I don't know if you'd want that. I don't think Dwight Howard has ever lived up to what people said he was. Do you do you feel that a, a Dwight Howard or Dur- exclude Kevin Durant because we're talking at that point you're talking top five player in the league, but if you could get do you really think that Dirk is a good move for any team to pick up right now? I, I feel he's aged himself out of the league almost. 
Honestly, I'd I'd rather he stay with Dallas. I mean, he's been he's been loyal to that team his entire his entire career. Hell, he's he's already won a ring with them, so why not finish it out there? Yeah. Um, the other thing we got to get to today, and we weren't planning on doing this, is last night uh, I, I'm sitting at home. You know, I'm relaxing, uh, shooting some basketball out behind the school, and the news starts to break, and I see it come across my feed. Actually, from your feed, it was the first person I saw it under, so props to you for scooping the story, at least in my world. Uh, the Chicago Bulls have – is it officially, by the way, have they announced it officially? It is official. It is official. The Chicago Bulls have traded Derrick Rose to the New York Knicks. Now – Here's where we get a thing, Josh. I, I need your opinion. Does this move make the Knicks a contender in the East? Honestly, no. Okay. Because, because yeah, you still have Carmelo, but he's getting a little bit past his prime. He's only going to get get older from here. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's still a great scorer, but the team they have now will not get them a ring. Okay. What makes you – is it because they have just haven't shown you enough – with the development or with their uh, scoring ability to really move past? Because let's face it, in the East, it's Cleveland, obviously, is number one, and you've got to move heaven and earth to beat them. But other than Cleveland, I know is Milwaukee, I think, is still on their way up. But other than Cleveland, who else in the East is really a contender right now? The, the Pacers are low-key low uh, moving up slowly but surely because um, they just acquired – Jeff Teague, so you you got a good point guard to help out Paul George, so you have that minor big two there. But aside from that, you don't really have anything else. So, so barring a shock, you'd say Cleveland is basically a shoo-in for the NBA Finals next year, right? I mean, I mean, barring something dramatic changing or a big move. Because the thing with Derrick Rose going to the Knicks, yeah, it makes sense from the Knicks' perspective. They get to, you know, it, but it feels to me more like a ticket move than it does an NBA move. Because you can say, oh, look, we brought in a former MVP. And, you know, people can say, oh, well, we're going to be good. When realistically, Derrick Rose hasn't been good in three years. He hasn't, he's barely played. He played, what, one full season the last five years? So realistically, I don't understand. I don't understand the move from the Knicks' perspective. I understand it from the Bulls because you're trying to get rid of all that, the the money and everything, and it forces you. But now the Bulls are locked into a marriage with Jimmy Butler. And I, I don't watch a lot of Bulls basketball when they're bad. But from what I've seen of Jimmy Butler, he's a very good player, but I don't even know if he – here's my question because i got an argument with my friend Dave about this. And I you're a little bigger fan. If Jimmy Butler was on – Oklahoma City or Golden State or Cleveland, would Jimmy Butler be starting? Hmm. Tough question. Oklahoma, Oklahoma City for sure because Deion Waiters is practically a six-man at best. Okay. And it would obviously, if you were to put him on Cleveland, you would obviously have to get rid of either JR or Iman Shumpert to, to be like that six-man role. Honestly, yeah, I, I could see him starting in both teams. Okay. The, the, the reason I'm asking that is I, th- I think that Jimmy Butler is a fine player. I think that he would be a great Scottie Pippen to somebody's Michael. And, again, I use Bulls references because that's how I view the NBA. But I don't see him being the number one. I see him being an excellent number two. That sounds dirtier than I meant it to. And I see him being able to play well in, in the league – 
But I just don't think that he can carry your team to a championship. Now, I could be wrong, but I, I just don't see the Bulls with Jimmy Butler and a hurt Joe Kim, who's probably going to be gone as well. I, I just see the Bulls, they're five, six years away now from being competitive. Would you agree? Oh, oh for sure. It's, it's obvious that this team will not get as close to a title for the next five or six years. Frankly, I think that they need to tear everything down Rebuild everything from the ground up now that you've traded Rose. And, yeah, again, I do agree with you. Butler is a great player, but I really don't think he can really lead this team that well. Going forward for the NBA, I know that you you'd mentioned you wanted to talk about a couple of the draft picks. Um, and it's Philly, right, who has the first pick in the draft? Correct. Okay. And they're going to be taking – now, this is where we start to get into it because I watch college basketball starting March 1st. And I end with the championship game. That is the only time I watch college basketball. Do you watch more college basketball than that? Uh, I watch it around the same time as you do. So. Okay. Who's this player who's going number one? I know that everybody keeps saying that this is going to be the number one pick, but I don't know enough about what's going on. So t- can you give me any insight on, on who the number one pick is going to be in the NBA draft? I'm thinking it's Ben Simmons because Philly needs a small forward bag. And, and he is. Well, Philly needs much, a new roster. Bad. I, exactly, but yeah, the, at least that's that's one piece of the puzzle, though. Simmons is practically your white version at this point of Draymond Green. I mean, he can play small forward, he can play power forward. He has a good has a good post game. He doesn't have quite the shot yet, but I'm sure he can develop that. Let me ask you about developing a shot. Have you have you ever named me a player? who came into the league and they all kept saying he had to develop a jump shot in the last 15 years that you that you can think of who developed a jump shot later in their career because it's few and far between many people don't do that uh it's a it's a different kind of skill and it, can you name anybody like get, do you have any comps basically to the, to Simmons do you have anybody who you would compare him to besides Draymond Green? Is there somebody who came into the league with some of the same weaknesses that improved to that level? Did Is Draymond Green the same thing? Honestly, he is the same thing. Um, um, how can I put this? Um, I honestly did, did not expect – I knew we had a good defensive game. I knew we had a good post game. But who, who, would, who would have thought that we, he would have such a, a pretty good three ball along the way? And, and he – and because of that, he's helped a lot with this Warriors team, apart from Steph and Clay. Okay. Uh, before we wrap this whole thing up, I, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask, I, I want to get into with you as far as the NBA is concerned. There's been a lot of people talking that uh, there's going to be some shifting in broadcasts and stuff like that. Do you... Are, are you a fan of the Charles Barkley thing, or do you think that that's kind of run its course? Hey, am, am I a fan of him broadcasting? Yeah, do you like? Do you still enjoy his broadcast? Because a lot of people, from what I've heard, there's been some complaints from real, I, I, I hate to use the term real NBA fans, but fans of the game itself, not all the stuff around it, who think that Charles isn't really as involved as he used to be as far as research and watching other games. Do, do you do you still enjoy his broadcast? Do you still enjoy watching him on the NBA on TNT? I enjoy him sometimes. I enjoy Shaq more, though. <laughs> really? You're the first person I've ever heard say that. Why do you like Shaq? Uh, it, it, it's simple. He 
he's not he's knowledgeable. He makes me crack up and and honestly, I I love the Shaq and the Fool series. So. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything you want to plug, promote, anything you're going to be appearing on, anything that you're working on that you want to get into? Um, not, not nothing I can think of at this moment, except for the fact that I'm going to be on Columbia's radio station come next spring. Okay. Um, WCRX at 88.1 FM. Um, as long as I take a certain class, um, I will be talking sports. You're going to be on 88.1. I've listened to that station before. It's, it's fun. Are you going to so you're going to be talking sports in between the weird experimental music that they play on that station? <laughs> most, most likely. All like right. I said, as, as long as I take a certain class, I'm good to go. All right, cool, man. Well, I hope that the schooling goes well for you and everything, and you get to uh, you get to do everything that you want to. And most important thing is confidence. Always have confidence, man. That's the, If there's one lesson that I can get, even if you're lying about the confidence that you have, which is what I do, because I sound a lot more confident than I ever actually am. Before we go, I want you to give me a prediction for next year's NBA. To Is it Golden State and Cleveland again in the NBA Finals? And if that is the case, should they get rid of the game and just go to a ladder match? Hmm. Interesting question, the second one, at least. Um, as of right now, yes, I see a rematch, barring any potential big moves. Okay. Should they go to a ladder match? What do you mean by by ladder matches? As far are you are you referencing WWE here? Yes, I am referencing WWE. As in, I want to see uh, Stephon Curry versus LeBron James, and they put the NBA trophy up above center court, and they put a ladder underneath it, and it's just a fight between the two of them to climb to the top of the ladder and grab the trophy. Are you saying that that is an unreasonable request by me? I would honestly love to see that. <laughs> Wouldn't you? That's what I'm saying. That's why the WWE is better than sports sometimes because you can just give it. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, folks. I just wanted to make Josh laugh. That's all. That's all that was. <laughs> I wanted to pop the kids. It worked. It yeah. worked. I, I, come on, that'd be fun. You just see LeBron climbing up the ladder, especially with that slow fake WWE ladder, like that thing where they crawl up a ladder slower than any human being has ever crawled up a ladder. Not to mention crawling up a ladder as opposed to climbing one. Is you got LeBron on one side acting like his knee is going out, Steph's on the other acting like he's got a concussion, and then all of a sudden Draymond Green comes over, knocks the ladder over completely. Come on, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun little thing. Yeah, that would be that would be a lot of fun to watch. Not to mention the fact that two NBA Finals participants fighting in a wrestling ring is not you know without historical precedent because I will remind people that Kobe, that Karl Malone and Dennis Rodman fought at a pay per view one month after they played each other in the NBA Finals and I swear to God pretended to have a fight to sell the pay-per-view. I swear to God that happened. It, it, that that kind of shit. That's why... But before... Actually, I know that we talked about a lot of this and I've been threatening to end the show for a minute here, but I do want to ask you, as an NBA fan... Let me let me tell you where I'm coming from with this, Josh. As a wrestling fan who grew... As somebody who loves the stupidity and the fakeness of the WWF... And I call it the WWF when I mention the fakeness because it's more fun to me. But when you knock out a ref in the WWE and you take the opportunity to cheat, it's considered part of it. There's a part of me that looked at the suspension of Draymond Green as the long talked about thing of the NBA not being fixed, but with the NBA playing games with rosters and schedules and referees to manipulate the series to be what they want commercially. 
As a fan of the NBA, did you feel, one, that Draymond Green deserved to be suspended, deserved to be suspended for two games, and three, and most importantly, do you think that he would have been suspended if that had happened in the regular season? I await your answer, sir. I knew you were going to ask that. Um, yes, I I do think he should have been suspended regardless. Um, you, should, you shouldn't be kicking a man in, in, in the, well... He gave him a low blow. Private. He gave him a low blow. Sorry, a wrestling fan. Exactly. That he should. He shouldn't have done that. He should have at least controlled his actions. And, and had he done that, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have been suspended. And the series probably would have been over in five or six games. But no, the NBA is not rigged. You are. So you don't think that there's any truth or you don't even give credence to the idea that the NBA manipulates stuff to provide a more competitive product. You don't think that that happens. It's fine if you don't. I agree with you. I'm just asking you personally to be clear. That's all. It is a business. I can't lie about that. It it will always be a business, but you can't control who, who makes or misses a shot, who fouls, who, um, and yeah, there is going to be a lot of missed calls and, and that's where the, quote-unquote, rigging thing is coming from, I've noticed. But you, you can't control anything that, that happens in-game, simply put. Well, there's also always been the whole thing of, like, stars travel. You know, LeBron, basically, I saw it happen three or four times during the finals. You know, that thing where he, you know, he takes one step that apparently just doesn't count when he takes the ball off the dribble. Then he gets two more, sometimes three more to get to the hoop, and they don't call traveling, but if it had been a no-name player. But that's been in the NBA since the 60s, so I don't see that as rig- – I think it's more – I do feel that in the regular season, especially stuff like Christmas or uh, the, the Christmas games, Thanksgiving games, or even the St. Patrick's Day stuff that they do, I, I feel like in those instances – they might be willing to make more of a lean or get, send guys to the line to get it closer. But in the NBA Finals, like you're saying, I just think it's impossible for them to – there's too much unpredictability for you to even conceive of being able to control it. Yeah, yeah of course. But at the same time, like, like, you, like you mentioned before, there, there's some missed calls that shouldn't have been missed in the first place. Right. right. So – all right, Josh, well, thank you so much for coming on Chicago Podcast Network and talking to NBA with me. Uh, you're going to be on starting in the spring, you said, or fall, next fall, right, for school. You're going to be on 88.1 here in the city talking sports. Do you have any idea what time that's going to be, or do you want to come back on uh, right beforehand to kind of get the word out? Do you want to do that And so when you got more stuff finalized? Yeah, I still have to talk to my director about the time slot and the day. Okay. So, yeah, I would love to come back on here and give you updates and All right, well, I'm going to send you out on the way that you came in. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is the NBA and NBC theme. Josh, say goodbye to the people, but stay on the line. Hey, hey, bye, bye, guys, and thank you again, Nick, for having me. I appreciate it a lot. No problem, man. And here is the best theme song to sports ever. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for downloading this episode of Nick Has a Conversation With. We were just talking with Josh Carroll. 
Thank you so much for listening. We, we appreciate and love all of your support. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can find us uh, or email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. I want to know what you think about the NBA Finals, all that stuff. If you like Josh, if you want to have him back, all those wonderful things, you can find us on all those social media services. Thank you so much for listening. And the term that I believe I'm looking for now is, yes, uh, we out.